1: going to the most glamorous of all summer camps camp mohawk there's a two-year waiting list and every child has to be voted in on top of all that it costs one thousand dollars a week to go to camp mohawk the question is is it worth a thousand dollars a week it sure is it's the best darn camp there is well are you connected with camp mohawk well i think so i'm the program director jerry aldini well how do you justify a thousand dollars a week Well, we have some special programs. Uh, We're doing Shakespeare in the Round again this year, of course. Uh, Our political roundtable, Henry Kissinger, will appear. Yasser Arafat is going to come out, spend a weekend with the kids, just rap with them. That's amazing. And the kids wanted animals. So this year, each camper will stalk and kill his own bear in our private wildlife preserve. Are you sure the children can uh, can hack them? We'll see. But the real excitement, of course, is going to come at the end of the summer, uh, during Sexual Awareness Week. 200 hookers from around the world and each camper armed with only a thermos of coffee and two thousand dollars cash tries to visit as many countries as he can and the winner of course is named king of sexual awareness week and is allowed to rape and pillage neighboring towns until camp ends that's incredible what do you expect for a thousand dollars a week <laughs> hey you have a good summer too huh? are you ready for the summer
0: Okay, we're back, and we're at episode sixty-nine, and this is going to be the last in this uh, second installment of our sex comedy series. I'm your host, Lee Virtually Nil Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. I was in Goonies. Harper, how you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing well. I think it's. Uh, I didn't even realize that we were going to end the sex comedy series this time with episode sixty-nine, but obviously, it's apropos.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: Although my favorite line is is probably. Uh, the only man who could fuck a Cheerio and not break it.
0: <laughs> it's funny because I was, I was actually looking for quotes just to use for that, and it's like Meatballs 4 is the only one that has maybe like more than two quotes enlisted listed in the IMD quote page of all things. Right. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Um, the burning star power of Corey Feldman. Yeah. You know makes people, you know, have to uh, transcribe his words, you know. He's like he's like Jesus, you know. We just, we just you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, anyway, we should probably just move on, right? Yeah. Uh, so
0: we're going to be covering the uh, Meatballs franchise, air quotes there as it is. We're, we're, we're not going to be talking so much about the first two movies. We're going to be focusing on the last two movies. So it's actually going to be kind of a reverse of our... Uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, look at the end of our last uh, installment of the sex comedy series. So, although I don't think we're going to go quite as in depth as we did with Revenge of the Nerds,
2: <laughs> there, there's there's not enough uh, there's not enough here. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Some some uh, some childhood memories I'll definitely talk about, but I mean there there's no there's no reason to uh, yeah. <laughs> Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds is kind of a treasured cultural memory that people have that has like deep problems with it. Uh, meatballs. Uh, not so much.
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think the only reason people remember them, to be honest, is because they're movies that someone decided to throw money behind. So, yeah. so, the, so they're still around because of that, but other than that. But yeah, we're, we're sort of getting uh, ahead of ourselves here. We'll start out with comments. We got quite a few comments this week, so it's it's nice. Our friend Stuart Balk from Midnight Movie Cowboys, as we were saying here, he thinks it's fitting that uh, the last episode of the sex comedy series is episode 69. We could uh, almost subtitle this the uh, oral sex episode of the sex comedy series, I guess, in, in yeah, that case.
2: Yeah. Really, we should just call this podcast the Oral Sex Podcast. The Oral oral Sex Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> From our mouths and into your ears. We might get, oh, get three yeah. new listeners that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, could be, could be, yeah. CB Falls says, Crazy Ridiculous Movies, excellent podcast. That was in relation <laughs> to the last episode. See so another nice. uh yeah another great comment from CB Fall. Appreciate
2: it. Uh, we'll we'll read them in every episode, man. Just keep, we will. Just, keep yeah, just keep throwing them. Just keep throwing Actually, I don't know the gender. so we, I shouldn't I shouldn't, you know?
0: I I, no gender I, I gender. assume it yeah. I assume it's a guy. It's it's a picture of a black gentleman in the uh, Google uh, picture, so I'm um, I'm just going to um, fair Um yeah. My friend Jamie Zinger says, and this is in response to the pick one actor and for the rest of your life you can only watch their filmography and nothing else. Uh, he says Robert Duvall would be my pick. You get a few duds like The Godfather, Sling Blade, and Apocalypse Now. However, Days of Thunder is a cinematic masterpiece. Hit the pace car, he says.
2: <laughs> Anything that gives you even one Tony Scott film probably isn't a bad choice, you know, I would say.
0: Yeah, I could I could live with Tony Scott films. Um uh, Way way better than um, some of the shit that was uh, coming out of the '80s and early '90s. So yeah. Um, and Cameron Sullivan uh, says Ben Cross, and I actually had to go on IMDb and look up his filmography because I was only familiar with him in Chariots of Fire. That, that's all I could remember him from. But he's done a lot of TV. Some of it looks pretty good, although I don't think we'll count TV in this because he only shows up in certain episodes, and really you can only count those episodes. You can't count the whole series, as far as I'm concerned. So, but um, would you
2: get to count those episodes? You know, so if there's somebody who did like my favorite television episode, I don't know. That's that's kind of an interesting thing too, you know.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I can I can see he was in uh, the Star Trek reboot reboot as uh, Sarek, uh, Spock's father, in that one. So that was. Uh, Surprising. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff here I I'm not even familiar with that I've just never watched. So that that was an interesting pick to me. Uh, oh, I've seen the unholy. I've seen him in the unholy. That's a kind of a shitty little horror movie from nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> More power to you, sir. Um yeah, I've just I've not seen about ninety nine percent of his filmography, I, I gotta say. So
2: Well apparently this is a, a new series we need to start while we watch <laughs> films by Ben Cross. Yeah,
0: yeah the, the Ben Cross podcast to get us uh, familiar with that shit. <sighs> Not gonna happen. Our friend uh, James Murphy uh, in response to uh, us talking about him uh, last week says, uh, if you ever starts a Tumblr, angry Irish anarchist has to be the URL. He said he watched Defending Your Life for a third time in my life after Daniel talked about it last time out. That film is fucking genius and it hides just how great it is behind the fluffy watchable tone. Every single one of the jokes lands. I love the philosophy behind it, and not for nothing, it has Meryl Streep at the most attractive I've ever found her. Hmm, interesting. See, I'm not, I'm not a big... Like, I'm a fan of her acting, but I've always kind of found her to be a uh, quote-unquote handsome woman. She does, doesn't really do it for me. So.
2: It, if, you, if you're looking for, like, uh, Meryl Streep's sex appeal, uh, this is probably the place to get it, you know? Um, either this or Adaptation. Adaptation uh, because, you know, when she gets high towards the end and, you know, she's, she's, uh, you know, kind of doing the, uh, she kind of gets a little sexy there. But um Defending Your Life is probably about the sexiest you can get out of
0: Meryl Streep. Um, what about life. her, uh, what about her turn as Margaret Thatcher?
2: I... I didn't see that. So, yeah. uh, you know, but I bet you, don't, I bet you know that. me, I have a fetish for Margaret Thatcher, you know.
0: Oh yeah, everyone does. What a fucking boner killer. God damn. He also says, in response to our idea that maybe we should do The Skull and Green Room on the same episode, he says, why not? Um, I'm enough of a nerd about punk and hardcore to have a few interesting things to say about it. And he also says that uh, my Vinnie Jones impersonation across different films is one of the funniest things ever on the show.
2: Thank you. I agree with that because I re-listened to the episode or I listened to the episode after you put it up and I cackled at it. In fact, I thought I'd take a moment here and uh, just give the audience more what they want. Um, I have a list of films that we've covered on this podcast. Okay. And I'm going to get Lee to do his thing of throwing Vinnie Jones impersonations into these films. Oh Jesus! So, um, I don't know if Lee is drunk enough for this yet, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna see. So well, I'm, um,
0: I'm, hit, I'm I'm hitting the scotch right now. So start throwing them at me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I did not tell Lee I was going to do this, but I saw no, that comment. did and not. Said I. This is gonna happen. So. Are you ready, Lee? Yes. <laughs> the big sleep. The big sleep. Listen, you
0: twat. I'm trying to solve a mystery here. She killed in ecstasy. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, what did you do with that knife
2: down there, you little tot? Motel Hell. We never covered that one. We did cover <laughs> that one with uh, Just Before Dawn. Oh, that's right, we did.
0: Um, Goddamn. I like to grow me vegetables. Beyond the Black Rainbow. Beyond the, Holy fuck. <laughs> holy fuck. <laughs> that is this little psychic girl going around. What's she doing moving things with her mind? Blood Simple. Blood Simple? Oh. Oh. Um... He just kind of fits into Blood Simple, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just... I'm in this movie. <laughs> Zapped. Hey, I like when all the clothes comes off. It looks really good. Stridulum. Stridulum. Oh, fuck me. Another little psychic girl. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Van Nuys Boulevard. Really? Your fucking name is Cooch? Cooch?
2: <laughs> Just two more.
0: The Zero Effect? <laughs> Oh, la dee look, Mr. Sherlock Holmes can't fucking leave his bloody room to talk to anybody.
2: And 2001 A Space Odyssey.
0: Oh my fuck, will someone fucking do something already? I'm getting so fucking bored.
2: That one's just from my friend James Murphy.
0: Did I, uh, did I do well? <laughs> I'm I just sweating so. for the fences there. I think so. I think All so. Right. I'm not going to promise that this is going to be a recurring fucking thing, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe if if I'm drunk enough on future podcasts, Daniel wants to yeah. surprise me every once in a while.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I might throw it in when I have a good title for you. We'll
0: see. It'll be like, it'll be like, um, uh, what's his name? Who is the, uh, martial arts guy. who always, he's always attacking inspector Clouseau and in the pink Panther films out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>
2: yeah all right and <laughs> this podcast <got laughs> going downhill fast but we are talking about the meatballs technology yeah. today so how we far down something. can it really be going
0: we, we really need something yeah. yeah uh and final comment from our friend mike murphy from badass boobs and body counts uh podcast says while in la last night i popped into a convenience store and i saw that maxim magazine is still on the shelf so, yeah, it's still in publication. Well, shit, I gotta get a subscription now, I guess. Let's see, the last time I read a Maxim magazine was maybe 15 years ago, something like that. I shudder to think what it looks like now. It was pretty fucking inane back then, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, and like, like, I mean, super rapey, too. Like, you know, like, like, kind of like really nasty stuff, you know, for the most part, you know, just, just like this combination of, like, this 13-year-old mentality towards women and, like, capitalism. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> and none <laughs> <laughs> unlike Playboy, it didn't have short stories and articles, so. <laughs> right, right. It's I
2: mean, just... you know, it's it's literally, like, because, like, Playboy, like, you could take the nudes out of that, which they've now done, and you still have, like, this really kind of interesting, like, politics and life and style. I mean, you, you basically have, like, Esquire with, mm-hmm. like, a little bit more, you know, nudity in it. Yeah. Maxim was never that. Maxim was just like stupid. <laughs> you know? yeah. I like think like there's no content to it at all. You know? yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's a stroke book without the stroke, yeah. and without the book. It's just it's nothing.
1: <laughs>
2: you know? Hey, yeah, this is Rob Zombie. And
0: when you're not watching my wife's flat ass deflate even more and every subsequent film I put her in, you should be listening to They Must Be Destroyed Outside.
1: Movie podcast,
2: yeah! Lost Podcast!
0: So, I don't think either of us have anything we've watched this week. We've both been kind of too busy, I think. So, we're going to forego that little uh, bit of the podcast. And unless there's any other business you want to uh, clear up there, Daniel, I think we can just re- move right on to the films.
2: Uh, I'm ready if you are.
0: Okay, um, so I think first of all, we'll get the first two out of the way here, uh, real quick. Talk about
1: the first meatballs. You saw what he did to Saturday night. Now watch Bill Murray demolish summer. Are you ready for summer? 300 kids from the city escape to the woods for a summer of wholesome fun in the sun. I'm the program director, Jerry Aldini. Is that a bra you're wearing or are you expecting an assassination? I have what doctors call very active glands.
0: Tripper, is there something
2: serious you
1: <laughs> want? Really? Meet the head counselor who knows the facts of life, but forgot them. Oh, what the hell's going on here? So this year, each camper will stalk and kill his own bear in our private wildlife preserve. These are the camp rules. you would like you all to take a look at these. Be here if you want to check these out a little bit later. At the light. Okay. Yeah, for now. But if you don't win, we cut it off. But more important than the score of this game is to score at the big social at our place tonight. Oh! It's not how you play the game but how you win that counts. Of course, it's going to come at the end of the summer uh, during Sexual Awareness Week. We import 200 hookers from around the world, and each camper, armed with only a thermos of coffee and $2,000 cash, tries to visit as many countries as he can. And the winner, of course, is named King of Sexual Awareness Week. You'll be cheering for Bill Murray this summer in Meatballs.
0: Started the whole thing, came out in 1979, directed by Ivan Reitman. And of course, I think this is most famous for being basically the first pairing of Bill Murray and uh, Harold Ramis as a sort of a partnership. And of course, it was Bill Murray's first starring role.
2: I did not do a synopsis for the first two films, but I did watch the the first two mm-hmm. Um Man, for for me, uh, Meatballs One is really just it's it, it's it's Bill Murray's movie. You know, I mean, yeah. this is this is clearly the best of the four. You know, first of all, I mean, it's the one that's a real movie. You know, mm-hmm. middle and end. Um, it's got this uh, really interesting relationship between Bill Murray and the child actor uh, Rudy. It's really just heartwarming and fun and goofy. And there's some there's some stuff in it you could talk about. I mean, Bill Murray is definitely not. Uh, you know there there is a, there is a little rapey scene there towards the middle of the film, but you mm-hmm. know it's it. Um, I've only seen this a couple of times. I saw it on Comedy Central way back in the day, but um, man, this is uh this is just kind of goofy, good-hearted fun. You totally see why Bill Murray became a star because he's just amazing in it, and uh, it's well directed. I mean, it's 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 it's. <laughs> It's it's a summer camp movie. It's kind of the prototypical summer camp movie, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it just works on that level. It doesn't it doesn't have to be more than that, um, and it doesn't have the raunch that the later ones did. Yeah, it's yeah. it's
0: a it's a convincing summer camp movie. Like uh, how I said, like um, Sleepaway Camp and The Burning both had sort of to me they had convincing like scenes of like yeah, this felt like a real summer camp going on. Yeah. This is this is essentially those movies without the murders. And the yeah,
2: this- <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I did get about halfway through and go like I kind of expect a serial killer to show up any second now because we're right. so used to seeing, you know, the um the summer camp genre just you know invaded by you know somebody with a with a sharp implement. But it works despite the fact that it doesn't have you know people being murdered left and right. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a legitimately good movie. It's I mean, you know historically important for Bill Murray or for nothing else. Um, Ivan Reitman kind of not. I don't think this was his first film, but it was one of his very very early films.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was his first big break, anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean,
0: it, it was a big success too. I mean, it was budgeted for one point six million dollars, and it actually came out with uh, forty three million dollars at the end of.
2: That's a big hit for uh, nineteen seventy nine. I mean, that's a that's a monster for nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, but I don't really have anything more to say about it.
0: <laughs> you know? No, I mean it, it, it's it's good. I mean it's it's very mild entertainment. It, it it's definitely for like 13, 14-year-olds, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's really good for that because, you know, they're, they're getting to the point where they're going to start thinking about sex and talking about sex, and this movie kind of hints at that to a certain degree, but it doesn't go, like you said, it doesn't go full raunchy or anything like that. So, oh, no. yeah, so it's actually, it, it is a PG movie, and it's actually kind of like a, you know, a pretty good example of a good PG movie from that era. So
2: It's basically the real thing that Wet Hot American Summer is, like, aping. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's, that, it's that sort of, like, baseline thing. And honestly, I'd rather watch this than Wet Hot American Summer just because, you know, like, Wet Hot American Summer. I mean, it's it's fine, but it's, like, it's playing it so arch. It's playing it so, like, against itself that it, there's so many layers of irony that it's kind of buried in that it just kind of becomes this, like... what are you you trying to sell? I mean, are you loving this, or hating it, or making fun of the fact that you both love it or hate it, or are you, like, like, you know, whereas this is just, it just is what it is. And so, uh, you really get that sense. And, again, Bill Murray charming as a motherfucker. Like, you get why this guy became a star. I mean, this movie wouldn't work without Bill Murray at its center.
0: Well, I think this is like, sort of the beginning of where he legit becomes the funniest guy in the world for a few years, yeah. like in the '80s, yeah. right? Like he—he's he, yeah. getting there right here, and I mean, he just walked onto this too. It was like he was last minute; like they didn't even know if he was going to show up for the movie, and he just sort of last minute walked on wearing his own clothes. Like right. The, right. So I mean, yeah. I mean, what 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 can you do? I mean, uh, Bill Murray. Totally owns this thing, and it's worth watching, especially for Bill Murray completists. I mean, you should see this film. So, yeah.
2: yeah, one of my favorite Bill Murray scenes ever is actually the scene where he uh, is standing outside the bus and uh, uh, kind of pretends like he's the camp uh, counselor for the Snooty Camp. You know, oh he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about you know all the things that the uh, the kids of the Snooty Camp get to do. Oh, you know, for a thousand dollars a week, of course you get to uh the yeah, women, you know.
1: Yeah,
2: that's good.
0: Uh, so now we can move on to uh meatballs part two from nineteen eighty four and this is, uh, this is actually directed uh, by someone who's uh, directed something else we've covered in this podcast, uh, Ken Wiederhorn who uh, did Shockwaves. Oh, um, nice. And actually, in this movie, there's a point where the kids are actually watching Shockwaves. Uh, <laughs> so, so he throws his own movie in there just for fun. I, I, I can't confirm this, but I think this movie was not originally supposed to be a sequel to Meatballs. I'm pretty sure... From what I've read, it's sort of a combination of two scripts that were just floating around, and they stuck the meatball's name to it, essentially. It's like
2: five movies. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was watching this this week and going like, okay, so there's the the plot with the dude who's like the reform school guy who gets mm-hmm. sent to camp to take care of yeah. kids for some reason. Which makes like, no sense. Which, which makes no sense whatsoever. But okay, it's a movie. Okay, we got you. And then he gets there, and suddenly they you know he's like pressured into becoming a boxer okay that's another that's a completely different movie that's happening mm-hmm. inside this movie and then you give the kind of kids subplot kind of running around and being kids doing their thing and then there's a space alien yeah like like yeah. there's an ET rip off like just right smack dab in the middle of this movie uh, i mean so there are at least four movies all competing mm-hmm. for your attention in this thing uh not a one of them is actually like interesting or entertaining. No. I will say the first like ten minutes or so there's some cool gags. There's there's some there's some funny little reversals like when they're dropping the kids off at the camp and yeah. stuff, you know. There's some nifty stuff there. But like, you know, it's it's few and far between after that.
0: It's it's such a fucking mess. And there's there's a lot of good uh talent in this too. I mean, you got people like Kim Richards who's really good in this, like is the sort of female lead who's like the most naive Girl ever, you know, like <laughs>
2: right. John Larroquette, who I will love in everything. Always John
0: Larroquette playing the obviously gay guy from the military camp across the thing, yeah. <laughs> trying to try to well, hide. And, it. You,
2: and you have this like military-industrial complex like commentary that it's trying like like you are, they are kind of deliberately talking about. They're they're trying to do this kind of broad satire involving this like military camp and contrasting mm-hmm. it with the, the, the kids' camp, the, the you know the kind of hippie camp. It goes nowhere. It does nothing. You know, yeah. there's no teeth to it at all. It's I mean, John Larquette gives it some teeth. Oh, you got Paul Rubens in this, just kind of being charming. Two, and fun, di- but... two different
0: roles. He's he's the bus driver, and he's also a Hare Krishna for a brief part. You even have uh, as one of the kids, Jason Hervey, who was like the older brother in uh, Wonder Years.
2: Oh, I missed him completely in this.
0: Yeah, he's just one of the kids in this. Eh? Um, and of course, Richard Mulligan is the is the camp owner. I like Richard Mulligan. I think my favorite thing of him is Man Called Horse or uh, whatever it is. The uh, where he plays General Custer. The, I don't think I've seen that. The, the uh, what movie is it? The guy from The Graduate. What's his fucking name? Um,
2: Dustin Hoffman.
0: Dustin Hoffman. It's uh, I can't. It's it's the one where he's the old cowboy. Like he's in a he's an he's an old old man like a hundred some years old, and he's in a retirement home uh, recounting all of his adventures in the old west. And uh, anyway. Uh, Richard Mulligan has a brilliant performance in that as General Custer just playing him as like totally fucking batshit nuts. Like it, it's it's great.
2: It's great. Well we'll put that on our list. That sounds fascinating. <laughs>
0: there's there's rumors here that I've read across the internet over years, like doing research on this, where it, it's taken out of the trivia now for the actual IMDB. They've cleaned up the trivia section. So I don't know if it was legit or they decided it was fraudulent and took it out because of that. There was a interview, apparently, at some point with uh, Misty Rowe, who plays Fanny in this, as the sort of blonde bombshell who's always sneaking off with the uh, head counselor, Jamie, to try to make out, and they always get interrupted. Apparently, and there's, there's two different stories here, apparently in one it's saying there's like seven minutes of sort of sexually explicit stuff that was cut out of this, and this never saw it because... They wanted to sell this to kids, so they removed it to lower the uh, rating. And then there's another account of where there was over eighty minutes of sex scenes shot for this. and the that account actually I, I, was, I was pretty doubtful of this, but if someone wrote this out, you know they, they went to a lot of troubles to make a fraudulent account of this because it actually goes in detail like, what scenes there were in it that were cut out, and there's, like, apparently just tons of nude scenes cut out of this, and sex scenes cut out of this that would have taken it up to an
2: R. because well, it you to... imagine, if you imagine, basically, I mean, if you combine this kind of idea where it's two different films, so, imagine you've got the kind of, like, reform school guy, you know, like, the, the, the tough guy who's coming in mm-hmm. and he has to become a boxer, and then the, that is one movie, and then the kids in the space alien is another movie. Yeah. Well, you can kind of imagine, okay, take the kids out of it, put a bunch of sex scenes in it, and that's kind of a raunchy comedy about this guy who's, you know, coming off and he's, you know, having to confront nature or whatever while, you know, becoming a boxer and, you know, I don't know where the different things, but that's a whole movie. And then the kids in the space alien is another movie entirely. Yeah. That that would sort of make sense. I mean, eighty minutes of like nude scenes, I mean this becomes like hard bodies, you know. Yeah, because
0: they, you know? they they say it's like um Two dozen, over two dozen sex scenes and just nudity scenes. And apparently it's all centered around Misty Rowe and uh, and the guy who plays Jamie in it. Um, apparently, that almost sounds like it's a whole different movie. Like, that sounds like it's some sort of European sex comedy where, like, the entire movie's about them trying to have sex and they keep getting interrupted by all the side characters right like
2: yeah yeah i mean that 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 sounds way more interesting than this piece of crap you've got in front of us here you know yeah
0: yeah because even apparently like i was looking in the quotes and stuff Uh, for this from, and I don't know if these are legit quotes from the script or whatever, but it seems like there was like a lot more explicit language and stuff in like one version of the script, apparently. And you can sort of see hints of that. The movie seems like it's trying to be raunchy, but it keeps pulling back at the last minute. Everyone's going around calling the guys dicks pinkies, you know, like there's there's that sort of level of juvenile shit in this. And, it, it, it just never steps over that fucking line. Honestly, it really hurts the film for it because this film needed something to spice it up because it's just... Well, it
2: needs some, it, it has to be one thing or another. Like, it, oh, yeah. if, it's, if it's the kind of silly kids movie about the space alien, okay, that's fine, you know? But, like, yeah. then you've got the the other plot which doesn't fit in with it at all. In the first film, you've kind of got the adults and the kids kind of, you know, you've got Bill Murray and, you know, I mean, there's the kind of romantic subplot and then you got the kids. It works because it's kind of like then you've got the Rudy Bill Murray or the Rudy Tripper kind of relationship kind of Mm -hmm. kind of merging these things together. Here, I guess you get like the end, you know, the floating (laughs) where they make the guy float and he's like fighting, he's boxing. Like, yeah, that's like the one scene I remembered from being a kid and seeing this movie. And I'm like, there's a green space alien, and then so who who's Jewish? Yeah, like yeah. you know, They're Jewish space like explicitly aliens, explicitly Jewish. They're Jewish space aliens, you know. There's a reading of that. I'm not even gonna like. There's no yeah. there's no need to go there. But no, um, no, you know.
0: But yeah, this is just so disappointing. Especially because like when I was a kid, and I the first time I saw this was on TBS. So you see this on TBS, and you get those hints of raunchy stuff, and you're like, okay, so they cut it off. They've cut it out right, right, for right. TV, right? So I then need I, re- go, re-
2: I need to go get the tape. And then, yeah, uh, then I'm the like, what's there's nothing here, like, here, you know?
0: What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, it, it's just uh, it's perplexing. And it's like they could probably make uh, some money off of this because this apparently is a financial failure I, from what I've uh, read. Uh, I only got the box office, which is five million. So if they actually spent more than $5 million in making this, then Jesus Christ. Uh.
2: <laughs> I don't know where the budget went.
0: <laughs> no, to that alien, apparently, the alien that can blink and its eyeballs glow, and that's about it, yeah.
2: And it looks kind of like a stoner, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that they went, like, they went in this direction, like they were doing, like, the Porky's thing, of, like, okay, Porky's has been out, so we're wanting to kind of launch it up a little bit, but then we're merging it with this franchise, which is kind of fundamentally aimed at you know, children. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to walk this balance. And I mean, there are ways of walking that balance. You can kind of do kind of a raunchy fun thing that's still kind of targeted at 13 year olds. Yeah. You know, but then it's it's way too I mean it's just it's just a mess. I mean there's just, you know, like there's no it's also there's no thought behind it at all. It's just
0: too many thoughts, honestly.
2: <laughs> there's too much stuff kind of crammed yeah. in. And then just not stitched together at all. And then they have this effect. And I mean, like, you know, Stoner Space Alien, you know, like with magic, you know, telekinetic powers you know, hanging out with a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different kind of fun movie that you can imagine, you know, yeah. watching. But yeah, no, this is it's it's just it's just bizarre. I mean, I literally I was almost like, we need to like do a commentary for this and just get really wasted and watch how <laughs> terrible this is. Like do do like for the paywall, you know. Yeah. Do, like, <laughs> drunken commentary for meatballs too.
0: I think we actually uh, yeah, keep that in mind. We should do that. We should uh, we should try that at some point, just this as a trial run to see if we get a commentary to work or we'll just We'll do a Google Plus Hangout while we're watching the movie at the same time, and we'll see if we can get that to get that to fly. Yeah, I'd be very interested in doing a commentary on this because it, it's God. It honestly, it's it's so disappointing that it kind of becomes a piece of shit in spite of in spite of itself. Like it just kind of. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, I, I think we can move on from that fucking abortion. And uh,
2: there's, no, there's no reason to. No one should ever talk about that movie any more than we already have. Although yeah. now we're probably going to do a commentary for it. So, you know. Yeah,
0: so there you go. Uh, so now we can move on to uh, the very different Meatballs 3 summer job. Schools
1: out. It's summer
0: again. And the party's just getting started. So come on along. Join the meatballs for fun, sun, and plenty of crazy action. And after sexy angel Sally Kellerman hits Heaven's Gate,
1: it's just the way I picture it. She's sent to Earth to earn her wings. I think I've gone from horny to crazy. I it was gonna be tough on my phone.
0: And the whole place goes topsy turvy when she turns the camp nerd into the last word in love.
1: But you'll always be a
2: loser. I wouldn't think that if So join Allie Kellerman. Get some rest, kid. Tomorrow's a big day. Come with me. In
0: Meatballs 3. From 1986, directed by George Mindulik, written by Janice Allen, Lynn Blum, Daniel Goldberg, Bradley Kesden, George Miniluk, Michael Pazornek. And Harold Ramis. Now, some of the names from here are actually from the first uh, movie's writing credits, and that's solely because this actually carries a couple characters from the first movie over to it very, very fucking loosely. Sally Kellerman as Roxy DuJour. Patrick Dempsey as Rudy. Al Waxman as Peter. Isabel Mejus as Wendy. Shannon Tweed as the love goddess. Peter Snyder as Tom. Mark Blutman as Andy. Justine Campbell as Val and uh, the very awesome uh, Maury Chaykin as uh, Huey the River Rat Leader, and also the very awesome George Búza as Mean Gene. And I'll let you uh, get over to the synopsis there, Daniel.
2: Little Rudy from the first film has all grown up, sort of, but unfortunately still seems stuck in his adolescence. He's a fresh high school graduate and has decided to take a job working under his old camp counselor, Tripper. Unfortunately, by the time Rudy arrives at the camp where he's decided to spend the summer, Trippers decided to sell the place to the thuggish troglodyte Mean Gene, who refers to Rudy as little more than Grunt and is hugely overprotective of the Love Goddess, a gorgeous woman supposedly married to the Lumbering Oaf, but whose true relationship will be revealed by the end of the film. Like all protagonists in the Nerdy Kid Wants to Get Laid subgenre, Rudy wants desperately to get laid. And the bevy of gorgeous bikini clad drunken revelers definitely aren't helping his case of blue balls. So it's with a bit of a side-eye that I inform you that there's a lovely, if unconventional, young woman named Wendy who wants nothing more than to get a little taste of Rudy's trouser snake. She even goes so far as to watch a cheesy porno movie starring Roxy DuJour with him, but he's a big fan of the buxom Blonde and is far more interested in the film than in the soft feminine presence throwing herself at him. So it's definitely up Rudy's alley when the porno star dies on the set of one of her films, and in order to get into heaven, must perform a single good deed for someone still on Earth. jour takes pity on our nerdy protagonist and decides to come back to Earth to lay him herself. Alas, she has no corporeal presence as a ghost, although it turns out she develops an array of telekinetic powers, and must rely on her ability to dress Rudy really like preppy scum and give him hugely rapey dating advice in order to get his dick wet. <laughs> also in this film, a wet t-shirt contest that lingered longer in my childhood memory than it does on screen, lots of bikinis and a few bared breasts, lots of deeply over-elaborate watercraft, and an actual motherfucking jet ski game called the River Rats that enters the film to Ride of the Valkyries and predates Waterworld by over a decade. <laughs> also, a major subplot involving the yuppie assholes in the town betting on whether hapless young men can reach the love goddess before a and Jean can literally throw them through his roof. Knowing all that, do you even care if Rudy is able to screw his socks off or not?
0: And boy, didn't I, because this isn't Rudy. This this is not Rudy. This, this is a totally different character. They just stole the character's name and put it on this fucking... This cringy dork who becomes a cringy rapist... <laughs> this is this is ter- this is. I actually I enjoy this movie, but that is a terrible decision that they made when they. It's it's it's
2: an, it's. I mean, the, the message of this film is no means yes. Yes. The yeah. message of this film is no means yes. Yeah. Oh God. Um. So this is the reason I wanted to do this for this podcast because this was the film. This was the one of the sex comedies I watched the most as a kid. And I'm starting to realize that I came to these really young. Like, you know, I, I saw this, I mean, if it's 86, I saw this when I was eight or nine years old. Like, that was the era in which I saw this. And I saw it a bunch. I hadn't seen this in, you know, 20 years probably. But um, re-watching it this time, I knew every scene as it was happening. It was, it yeah. was just, like, ingrained in me. <laughs> My wife watched it with me and was poking fun at me for, like, oh, now I know where your sense of humor comes from. <laughs> oh, I, get it. I get it completely. Yeah, you tell those jokes. You tell those kinds of stupid jokes. I'm like, honey, stop it. This is kind of it's. It's almost embarrassing how many times I've seen this film. And obviously, the impression that Wendy made on me because you know.
0: <laughs> oh, I love Wendy.
1: So uh, <laughs>
2: she's she's great. Um, but but yeah, no, this was a film that I saw a whole lot as a kid and remembered it being l- monster than it is. Yeah, you know, there's not there there's a there's like one scene really that's kind of got you know like. A bunch of tits in it, and that's only for a second, but for the most part, it's really just kind of bikini glad people dancing and you know kind of getting drunk and kind of having sex you yeah. know there's a lot of that kind of stuff, and I guess in my kind of young brain, i didn't like differentiate between like the actual nudity and the bikini stuff, you know, and I think that's sort of you know where well,
0: yeah your your imagination starts to wander when you're younger like that because you see like there's there's a scene early on where Rudy's all distraught because he's not getting laid. And he's everywhere he looks, he sees like a boat rocking or a van rocking, and it's like mm-hmm. you, you you get those images in your mind, oh I know what's going on there. And you think you see it. And then of course at the end there it's like, Oh my god, I gotta get fucking laid, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man. And it's like this isn't Rudy. What what the what the fuck? Who is this kid? That this right, is, right. this this guy is spaz from the first movie more than he's fucking Rudy. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. wow,
2: Patrick Dempsey? This is his first uh, major film role. Maybe his first film role ever. He's perfectly fine in it. I mean, you, you, oh, yeah. you kind of um, Can't Buy Me Love, which is the one we might, you know, I, I could definitely see doing Can't Buy Me Love, you know, kind of next year mm-hmm. do this if we keep podcasting sex comedies every year. You know, and then, you know, you kind of like, this is what I knew him from. And so, you know, and then when he comes out and does like Grey's Anatomy and he's like, oh, look at look at how odd he is. I'm like, oh, I remember when he was the nerdy in Meatballs 3. You know? yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I like a lot of the cast in this because, uh, like the first Meatballs, this came back to Canada for this production. Like Meatballs Two was in California, and then Meatballs Four ends up being shot in California as well. I think after this, but uh, yeah, this was this was sh- Canadian shooting. It was a tax shelter thing, so uh, you see a lot of Canadian actors uh, pop up there, like uh, Maury Chaikin in one of his earliest roles. he's since passed on, but uh, I've always loved him and just about everything I've seen him in. Uh, George Booza, big-time fucking B-movie Canadian actor who's been in tons of stuff, still doing tons of stuff all the time. Al Waxman, who was the king of Kingsington, which was a popular TV series up here in Canada at one point. Uh, And he's been in tons of shit. Uh, and even Shannon Tweed, I believe, was originally a Canadian, I think, before she... Uh, Became uh, the trophy wife of Gene Simmons. Carolyn Ray is in this When I mean, what I think her first role. She's she's,
2: she's like some she's one of the bikini clad girls, like yeah. not even credited. But yeah, I know this was one of her first like things she was in. So um yeah, there's there's a lot of talent behind this. I mean I I one of the things I run into when I watch these things that I like know so well and I watched so much as a kid and I'm like I kind of have to add, like is this a good movie like is this a reasonably decent film Lee or is it as terrible as I think it probably is?
0: Uh, well, its ideas about sex are incredibly terrible, but it oh, is. yeah, th-
2: th- that's obvious. Like, yeah, you know, but but it is it is you know it is kind of entertaining for it's what it is. Kind of that diverting, right? You yeah. know, it's it's sort of. Um, You know, I think that this tetralogy, which I'm going to use the word (laughs) tetralogy in Uh, describing meatballs, so, you know, to to elevate the material. Hey, um, once the
0: box set comes out, they can credit you. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I think that the issue that the the whole series after the first one kind of ran into is the first one does kind of reach that balance of kind Mm -hmm. of being both for kids, but also kind of having some of the adult stuff in it. And all the future films just fail miserably at striking that balance. They don't even try. I would say the third one is the second best of the series. I think. I think you know it goes one, three, two, four. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> kind of succeeds at being the kind of raunchy sex comedy. I wish it was yeah. raunchier and had more of the yeah. more actual nudity. I think it would. It would kind of. Play a lot better. Um, well, uh, it's a little bit grungy and grimy. Like I mean, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of in a nice way. The way that, um, you know, we talk about like the van or, or Van Nuys Boulevard. You know, kind of mm. have that, kind of that more lived-in feel. You know, this this feels like a movie about. I mean, summer job. It's terrible. as summer job was one of the reasons that was terrible is because you never really felt like those kids were actually working, you know?
0: No, it no. works
2: like really. Actually, like you, you get like, he, he actually has a shitty summer shop. Oh, know?
0: that bathroom is gross, man. That bathroom. Oh. That he's cleaning. Oh my God. Oh,
2: I can't even imagine, you know, and it, and it really feels like this kind of rundown little rinky dink, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like sexy river bar place. I mean, you know, like it literally has this like floating platform called the wet bar, which, you know, is basically like you, you know, when, when we're too full, it just starts to sink. And yeah. I mean, this is such a, well, you can just imagine this being like where all the like local rednecks go to like get chlamydia, you know? yeah, <laughs> And, and when you, there's,
0: there's that scene with the wet bar there where it says uh, maximum capacity, 30 people. And they obviously have more than 30 people on it. It starts to sink. I'm sorry. All those people died from electrocution because they got all those fucking wires running right over to it and it's sinking in the water they're all dead they're all gone yep.
2: everybody's gone that's it we're, we're dead
0: yeah <laughs> yeah but it's like wow tripper you really let that place go down to shit no wonder you left you probably wrote it off for tax reasons and got the fuck out of there
2: <laughs> tripper tripper's running a con on the on mean gene there you know Mm. He was
0: you would think he would
2: mention it to his young pal, like, oh, by the way, um, yeah, don't, yeah. don't again like,
0: it's yeah. not it's it's not the same character because that's a dick move. Tripper would not do that to fucking yeah. Ruby.
2: Well, and here's the thing, like I saw this way before I saw the first so I never knew like oh that's the background. In fact, mm-hmm. not until I was watching them again for this podcast did I realize, oh, that's supposed to be the same character. Yeah. Like Tripper is Bill Murray's character in the first yeah. meatballs. And I'm like, oh, Suddenly the fact that things they don't make any sense but suddenly it makes sense as part of this franchise, you know. Yeah,
0: so when when you think about it, this is actually meatballs too
2: really. Yeah, th- this is the real sequel to meatballs. This is the only sequel to meatballs.
0: Yeah, and this was filmed in 1984 actually. So it actually sat on the shelf for 2 years before it even came yeah. out. So
2: Yeah, yeah. So which then just goes back to like the second film which was released in 84. Mm-hmm. So you got to think like so they're kind of producing these two films at sort of around the same time. And just slapping the meatballs name on them. Yeah, I don't know. Like it feels like, I mean, and you got to think also. Nineteen eighty four, Ivan Reitman's off. You know, your main cast from for Meatballs is off doing Ghostbusters, which becomes the, the biggest film comedy of all time for you know like a decade. Yeah. And you got to think like, are they, like how did how did this happen? Like yeah. I'm just like you just run into this with some of these films, and you go, I don't, I don't understand how this got made.
0: Well, there was uh, there was a trend with uh, the Canadian tax shelter stuff at the time where there was this somehow it just happened where with meatballs it became this trend of films with balls on the end of the title. So you sure. had meatballs, then you had screwballs, which I think is one we'll cover next year when we, re- we when we come back to the series, but. So you had meatballs, you had screwballs, you had oddballs, you had goofballs.
2: And so well, apparently it was, we need to do a ball series.
0: <laughs> I guess because it, that was like one of the biggest kind of trends in these sort of things. Like it was a recon- like balls on the end was like a recognizable kind of title thing that caught people's attention apparently and sold more movies. So it, it only made sense that some of these productions who were just making the shitty camp movie that no one gives a fuck about, oh, I'm stick meatballs onto the title and people will watch it. Right. So
2: that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's as good a, an explanation as any, because mm. then ultimately what that means is, you know, they kind of took the first film, which was this kind of, kind of heartwarming little comedy mm-hmm. with Bill Murray You're just taking that balls, you know, thing and meatballs and then connecting it to porkies. And, you know, so porkies and meatballs kind of go together, right? It's, you know, balls and shafts, you know. And then, um, (laughs) you know, you just kind of move right into, we're just sequelizing the shit out of it and just trading out a name. I mean, it's almost, it's almost like the Of the Living Dead thing, you know, but for Mm -hmm. like shitty 80s comedies. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's kind of fascinating. What do you think of um, the main actress in this?
0: You're talking Sally Kellerman as Roxie. Sally Kellerman. Sorry,
2: yeah. I, I I didn't have the name in front of me. So yes,
0: she's really good. Like, but of course her character is giving the worst fucking advice. She could pause. She she dresses this guy up like a frat boy racist, or, or well, racist too. Could could be yeah, a racist. Yeah, sure, sure. But frat boy rapist is what I was meaning to say. And then basically tells him go and rape women. That's basically what <laughs> No means talking. yes.
2: No means yes. Yes. And then but at, but at least he gets it at least like the uh, the biker chick he takes he takes um you know out into the woods, you know, into the swamp there, you know, at least uh she lets him know in no uncertain terms that like sometimes no means no. Like there, yeah, that's like, the thing, you
0: know. Yeah, you, you can you can kiss my tits, but you're not going any farther down there and then yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um and then when she eventually uh when uh, the good deed she ends up doing is for Wendy. And mm-hmm. you know, like, play a little hard to get, and then like the advice I gave him, he's gonna you know, come right after you, and then you're gonna go wander and play. If I
0: if I was windy, I'd be like, "Fuck this guy," because th- this Rudy is he, he's he's kind of he's kind of shit anyway. Like he he's, he, he is a
2: total chode. He's yeah, a total chode. I mean, she is gonna she's gonna fulfill her little childhood fantasy of having sex with this guy that she's kinda always wanted to and then she's gonna get she's gonna move out of this shitty place. She's gonna go to New York. She's gonna go and be one of the people in um perfect timing. She's gonna go and yeah. be an, an artist in, in, in perfect timing, you know, and yeah, like, she's in really the, interesting art, you know. Yeah,
0: she's she's got that sort of like uh new wave uh girl group uh kind of Thing going on with her look and everything, and like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Rudy? If she was throwing herself at me, I would have nothing but time for her. I would have nothing but time for her. Yeah, yeah, no, she's <laughs>
2: she's great, but because she's not the like conventionally attractive, like you know, blonde in a um, bikini, you know, we're taught by these movies that like she's hideous. But like, yeah. really, she's way, she's clearly the most interesting character in the film, yeah. you know. Until we get to um, the Love Goddess when we actually find out her background.
0: Yeah, Shannon tweeted, like oh
2: um, her, she's working on her PhD in sociology. Yeah, her and, PhD like, in
0: sociology in in lingerie, you know, she's just yeah. Yeah, hanging out she's in lingerie.
2: Just, she's just hanging out in lingerie <laughs> at this like shitty river bar place and like studying sociology. Like yeah. I, as, do, I do this, you know. Yeah, as as you do. The academic, the academic market is really shitty right now. So, you know, <laughs> any place to stay, any place to stay and kinda of work on your dissertation. <laughs> completely acceptable, like, um, it's quiet. Nobody bothers her because me and Jean literally throws them cartoon style through the roof.
0: Although it's kind of weird because is she like engaging in any fucking activity with any of these guys who sneak up there? Because some of them get up there and they get up there for a few minutes before they're thrown out. So kind of thinking eh, maybe she's doing a little, having a little fun on the side with some of these guys who are sneaking up there. But uh,
2: it's possible. I mean, yeah. I just from the from the way she treats Rudy, I kind of get the uh, feeling that um, it's more. They come up there, and she just kind of doesn't she's – just, she's just kind of nonplussed by the, like, the betting. Although the mm. betting is kind of a fascinating aspect of this, yeah. right? It's it's kind of an interesting little, like, plot point that they're, that they're taking bets on this, that there's this little, like, uh, traveling sideshow thing where they're, like <laughs> – They just wheel it out real there. quick.
0: Yeah.
1: They just
2: wheel it out, and they're taking bets. So, like, there's this, like, whole, like, population of people betting on this, that they all know what's going on. Yeah. So there's this like this subculture and uh you know it's all run by these like yuppie assholes because of course it is, you know. And like
0: like listen, mean Gene obviously knows this is going on. Y- right you right. Know, He's you on know, the
2: take. He's on the take.
0: I guess yeah. because you know otherwise he'd shut this down. Like he he would get his water uh river rat buddies, they would yeah. stomp a mud hole in all these yuppie assholes and they would be yeah. done with in one day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> It'd be done. It'd no, there's
0: yeah, and the the Adonis, and so we got a little bit of bestiality as well in this film. So I guess that's your raunch factor there, because yeah. you, you have well, that, goes, yeah. that
2: goes to bachelor party. Like that's the that's the bachelor party. Yeah, effect, you know?
0: yeah, yeah. So so you got the the sort of uh, nympho girlfriend of the main asshole who uh, ends up going out. And actually, this is kind of this is kind of again. I kind of wonder if Kevin Smith stole from this movie when he was thinking of uh, Kinky Kelly and the sexy stud. Uh, for clerks too, just like we were kind of pondering whether he was stealing from um <laughs> <laughs> the the one where they go to the por- porn I, I know sports. exactly what you're talking about yeah, another one
2: of us can think of it
0: uh, I have it right here uh the party animal there we go party the party animal, animal. Yes. yeah so I'm I'm and by the way I I did not that I expected a response of course but I did tweet Kevin Smith saying did you steal that scene from the party animal and make clerks out of that did you do that and I'm kind of thinking he might have saw this film as well, and kind of stole, kind of stole that idea of like, oh, kinky Kelly and the sexy stud. You think you're getting like this hot chick is gonna uh, do like a a bestiality show, and it turns out you know it's totally different. But
2: uh, it's kind of the same yeah, idea no, no, here. It kind of it kind of felt like a, It definitely felt familiar. I mean, it goes mm-hmm. in a little bit different direction here, but it, it definitely yeah. felt a little familiar. So, but then again, when I saw Clerks two, I was thinking about Meatballs three. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that too this is kind of fun. I, it I like it. Like, like it's, it's, you know, it's diverting. It's probably worth watching just for Wendy. I mean, that, that actress went on. She had a nice little career. Um, yeah. she uh, did a bunch of TV up to the kind of late nineties. And, um, you know, I don't think I've seen anything else that she was in, but yeah, I, w- she's great. Oh, the wet t-shirt contest. I remember that being way longer. Way too it's, short. It's like it's like, girls. like it's done, you know?
0: Yeah. It's two girls and it's done. And, uh, I mean, the girl who won definitely deserved the win because, wow, um, but
2: <laughs> and then she gets with Rudy,
0: you know, yeah, so. and she's blind, so apparently she's also really stupid if she thought she'd pulled his dick off like that easily, but you know, hey, whatever. Uh, it, I guess it works as a joke at the very least, but yeah. the, the...
2: For the, for the like, 12-year-old audience of this film, like, yeah, that, yeah. yeah that's
0: who it's meant for. I mean, the the wet t-shirt contest in Hot Dog the Movie is two or three times the length of this. and
2: Yeah, no, vastly superior in Hot Dog mm-hmm. the Movie, and yet I remembered this, like, you know, growing up, but, but I remembered it, like, being, like, at an extended sequence.
0: It might, be you know, that TBS, it might be that TBS effect again, where you know they censor the movies, so you're always thinking, "Oh, there's got to be more." Oh,
2: I, I had I had the uh, I had this recorded off of HBO, so oh, like I no, had, so I had I the real version of it. So, so that wasn't that wasn't an effect in, in this movie. Although I, I understand that, I think it's just one of those things where I saw it when I was like eight or nine, and I just remembered like the idea of a wet T-shirt contest was like mm-hmm. so, like, oh my god, like how. Sexy as that. Not even understanding why at that point, but then like you can see their boobs through the wet. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I remember being that, that kid, you know.
0: That's um, way better than them taking their tops off and letting you touch their boobs. <laughs> that's so right, it was right. way better.
2: Because they're like wet, you know. Like yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'm coming to realize that I was a dirty old man when I was nine years old, and that's, that's kind of what that's kind of what revisiting these has taught me, is that that I I, I have circled back around.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think most straight male nine year olds are dirty old men. Definitely, when your sex drive is really starting to engage at that mm-hmm. early age, and it's like everything is super hot. <laughs>
2: yeah, when you, when you don't understand enough to like yeah. actually kind of know what's going on. But you're like really intrigued by it, and so that's that like uncomfortable like thing you know yeah, but,
0: you're um, you're at the age where you're actually rooting for Rudy where where now it's like man i I hope he fails, I hope he really fails i yeah, hope I, yeah. I hope Wendy finds a better dude than him, and he just fucking goes home the loser that he is oh, because...
2: I want Wendy and the love goddess to get together
0: can oh, can, can, yeah. we, can,
2: can we shift that? Can we be like right. oh yeah uh, like,
0: I get idea. Wendy
2: finds, Wendy finds her like she goes off to college, gets out of this shitty shithole of a town she apparently grew up in, and uh finds her sexuality and uh hooks back up with a love goddess, and they they go off and, and make a beautiful love together and uh possibly music with our, our friend Bonnie from Perfect Timing. Oh we
0: got bon- Bonnie Bonnie definitely. Bonnie and the and Wendy should definitely get together. Um
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> as far as characters in this movie though, I would actually substitute the love goddess for uh the uh, nympho girlfriend and the wet t shirt contest winner, the blind chick. Yeah.
2: yeah sure. I I'd, I'd rather see that. This is personal preference, of course. But yeah, no, no, I, could, I could see that. I could see that. I mean I am always gonna have a thing for, for Shannon Tweed, but you know, like that's the that's the softcore nineties yeah, memories.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that was her sort of heyday there where she she was doing all that stuff in her uh, in her forties. There, she was doing all those uh, softcore stuff. She was the she was the milf of her time, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Before milf was a thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well,
2: we we had to do some of the American Pie next time too. We probably yeah, have we, to do
0: that. Yeah, we should. We should. Oh man, uh, almost almost kind of thinking the next sex comedy series, and you know people listening, let us know if you think this is a good idea. We should make the American Pie franchise the end episode for the next sex comedy series, because that's a big franchise, man.
2: That is a big franchise. Oh my god, that's like, what, nine movies or something?
0: Something like that. You got the main ones that are, like, canon and then you have the direct-to-video ones that are not considered (laughs) canon, apparently. You know, as if Really matters what's canon in the American Pie franchise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, so sad. We got we got to work out like continuity references within the you know like Cause I, I gotta figure I, gotta figure out the the deep psychological insight of Stifler. You
0: know that's all. It's gonna be. <laughs> there's like eight different Stiflers in that film series.
2: Like. <laughs> I, I stopped after two. I watched the first two and I was done. Although yeah. Alison Hannigan, I gotta see everything with Alison Hannigan eventually, so Yeah, I can get
0: into that. Yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll put that down. That'll, that'll be a tentative final episode for the next sex comedy series we do. I think that'll be something
2: Lee and Daniel talked for four hours about the American Pie series.
0: It might uh it's not even a joke. That might happen. I mean, just to cover everything. It depends on whether, you know, if we're watching the films and we find them worthy enough. We might find most of them are, like, fucking meatballs, too. And then, you know, it's like, oh, we're just going to graze over them. But, uh, yeah, yeah um, Meatballs We should 3, move on. <laughs> yeah, Meatballs 3 is perfectly fine, you know. Uh, it's got some nice raunchy stuff. Could use more. But it's actually mildly diverting and entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, so now we can move on to the final film in the franchise so far. Who knows? We might get a Meatballs Five, or we might get a reboot at some point. That would be that would be something.
2: I, I think a rebooted Meatballs, like a, like a raunchy Meatballs, like kind of continuation, not with a number after it. But I, I could see like Meatballs kind of coming back and being like this, like like doing it now. Who who I, who
0: do you, who do you think they'd cast as the Bill Murray role though? Oh, no. would, would they do like a cgi Paul Rudd to make him look younger, or <laughs>
2: <laughs> what they do is they find some young person, like they they find some up and coming young comedian to to kind of do it, like you know, like somebody like Ryan Reynolds ten years ago would be perfect,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah, because he's got the same sort of sarcastic. Wit. You, you find you yeah. find
2: somebody like that who who like isn't on the tip of our tongues, but like that's that's the way you do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're doing Meatballs four now from nineteen ninety two.
1: Welcome to Lakeside, where some of the hottest skiers have just landed a new hero. I want you to meet our new recreation director, Ricky Wade! He's got charm. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Victor. Oh, oh. He's a natural-born leader. Come on, guys. Let's do it. Come on. Anything possible if you want a bad enough. Look at Michael Jackson. And he's got two weeks to turn these ski rats into superstars. It's a playground of fun and fantasy. Ah! Where the scenery is breathtaking. The passion is pulsating.
2: Why did you leave me, Ricky?
1: Because I was afraid, Cal. And the romance is hot. I think I'm gonna change that 10 to a 12. Yeah.
2: But the competition wants to crash this party.
1: Are you going to put up or shut up? And they'll stop at nothing to get what they want. If you don't mind. All right, these girls are gonna look like smirks. Now, Kelly, it's a race for survival. Give me my ski. Meatballs yeah! Four to the Rescue.
0: Directed and written by Bob Logan, starring the the master. The master, really. Corey Feldman as Ricky Wade. Jack Dance, a uh, personal favorite of mine, as Neil Pat Peterson. Sarah Douglas, another personal... There's a lot of personal favorites in this one. Sarah Douglas as Monica Chavitz, or I guess it's pronounced Chavez or something like that in the fucking film, but whatever. Uh, Bo Jesse Christopher as West Ford. Brad Grunberg as Victor Figpin. Paige Friends as Jennifer Lipton. John Mendoza as Dick. Bentley Mitchum as Kyle Linnick. Deborah Tucker as Kelly Peterson. Christy Thaum, the lovely Christy Thaum, as Hillary. Oh, uh, Christy Ducati as Christy. She actually pops up in some sex comedies around this time. Uh, Bikini Car Wash Company, actually. She's in those two ones. Yes. And uh, Lauren Hayes, who is another uh, staple of softcore uh, sexy movies at, at around this time, is Lauren. And uh, yeah, I'll let you get into the synopsis
2: there, Daniel. Do I really have to write a plot synopsis of this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Corey Feldman plays Ricky, a hotshot ski instructor who has just returned to his old job at a rinky-dink ski camp, but who is being pursued by his wealthy former employers to return to his former position. Ricky's the kind of snotty smartass that every 12-year-old boy in 1992 wanted to be. And in fact, most of the cast acts more or less like they have the emotional and sexual maturity of 12-year-olds, despite being obviously in their late 20s. There's a fat guy who ends up being a damn fine skier, despite being um fat, which, as we all know, is a serious character flaw in these kinds of films, although he does end up getting the one girl in the film portrayed by a Playboy centerfold, so I guess the joke's on us. Yeah. The film also stars Sarah Douglas as the owner of the Snoopy Camp across the lake, attempting to use her leg bridge to make Ricky come back and work for her. A detail I only note because Miss Douglas is best known for for playing Ursa in the two Donner Superman films, and I found myself wishing I was watching either of those instead. (laughs) Hell, I found myself wishing I was watching Summer Job instead.
0: Oh, oh, come on now. We gotta take that one back.
2: Yeah, the movie ends with a high-stakes water skate competition. Is that even a thing? And a fourth wall break. Whatever.
0: <laughs> this is not as bad as summer job. Come on now. You I think you're stretching a little bit there. This is this is bad. This is pretty terrible, but it's not as bad as summer job. I will fight it, it, you on that.
2: It does not have a creepy serial killer guy the way summer yes. job did. But, has... but, other, but other than that, like this this is in no way superior to summer job.
0: Oh, I come. Come on now. How can you? How can you look down on Corey Feldman here doing his darndest to so Corey, you know Corey
2: Feldman? Corey Feldman post license to drive had had like you know like there are better Corey Feldman fake sex comedies than, than this. <laughs> uh, there's there's one where they go to like it's uh, like private resort or something like that, like and Corey Feldman's in that. Actually, both Corys are in that. That is that's... superior to this.
0: That's National Lampoon's private resort, I believe, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the Ricky Wade character, when you think about it, do you remember Poochie from The Simpsons, that cartoon I character? I
2: do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Like, it's, cur- it's totally that fucking guy. Yeah. This is the most 1992 character that ever existed anywhere.
0: <laughs> this movie is so of its time. Like, uh the amount of neon in this can, like, kind of damage your eyes, honestly. Like...
2: <laughs> this is the only era in cinema history when anyone ever thought that, like, neoprene neon jet ski gear was cool. They had neon
0: bikinis for fuck... And those are the worst-looking bikinis I've ever seen. Like, they have these weird angles that, like, were probably, like, developed by the Elder Gods from H.P. Lovecraft, because you're no- they're not supposed to be human angles that we can perceive, or whatever. Because these okay. like, what are you wearing? I'd rather just see you not wear anything. You know, like honestly, but I mean, goddamn damn. The, the, this is probably the most 1992 movie to ever come into 1992. Like it's yeah. the, the yeah. fashion is that bad. The, the hair,
2: the hair, the hair, the, <laughs> like how, how can you possibly have hair? Like those hairstyles, Zach Morris would laugh at those hairstyles. That's how bad those hairstyles are.
0: Because I've got to ask you an honest question here. Could you tell a difference between the two dickhead guys and then the main dickhead guy who was like...
2: Could you the looked. difference between any of the characters whatsoever except for <laughs> the fat guy and the one played by Corey Feldman and <laughs> Hilly? And that's only because she had slightly more melanin in her skin than the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was it. And then Jack Nance, who I thought—I um, I apologize, but I, I thought was Brian Dolan Murray at first when I oh, was, man. Like, I but not 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 out of any insulting thing. But I'm like, no. oh, Brian Dolan Murray, like he kind of, like really like Bill Murray wouldn't come back, so like they got the brother to like be in the shitty fourth <laughs> version. You know? Like but that's has, literally that was literally my thought when I started rewatching this. You could almost like, oh, oh, own... Brian Dolan Murray, I got a ton of Brian Dolan Murray funny. I'm gonna like lay on Lee this week, and then like oh no, it's not him. If, 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 if this was if this movie
0: was set in, like, the 2010s or something, that could be, like, the aged tripper running, running his running his camp or something. But, yeah, no, the great Jack Nance fucking slumming in here but giving us all at the same time. Like, he's probably the best performance in this, I think. Oh, yeah, no,
2: no, definitely the best performance.
0: But, yeah, man, I his fucking right. eyes. He's got the crazy eyes going well, in every fucking yeah, Sarah
2: scene. Sarah Douglas. Sarah Douglas is doing some great stuff.
0: Well, yeah, she's... She she's doing way more than she had to. I, I yeah. gotta give it to her. Yeah, yeah. No, this movie is terrible. I'm not going to defend it on that level, but I'm not going to fucking throw it under the bus. That a summer job and run it over and then reverse over it as well. That, that's just <laughs> no, no, no. There there's some fun stuff here. The nudity is a lot of fun. I like it. Some of the women are a little too cosmetically aug- augmented for my liking, but
2: uh,
0: that's it. yeah. Wow, Christy Thome. Whew. God damn. Uh, she's, I, I,
2: she's, she's, she's pretty gorgeous. Yeah.
0: yeah. I could get behind that it's, literally and figuratively.
2: It's a shame. She doesn't have a personality,
0: but yeah, but you, know. well, you know, but I mean, you know, she doesn't need one. She just needs to be one of the victims of, uh, uh, what's his name here? Uh, Victor who, uh, Spends most of the movie spilling liquids on women. That's basically what he <laughs> he, he trips over something, liquid spills on a woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Really, you could you could argue that that's a uh, a visual metaphor for his uh, premature ejaculation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? mm-hmm. So I like to think that he and Hillary have this like kind of fetish relationship where she like humiliates him for like coming too soon all the time, yeah. and uh, you know it's basically just like teasing him and then he comes too soon and then uh, like she gets her rocks off by you know. Him eating her out because he's come too soon, you know. Like,
0: (laughs) so you also do get the like the uh, ejaculation joke where the guy spills his milkshake on his shorts, and then it cuts to another scene where he has not cleaned it off yet, and Corey Feldman (laughs) points it out. Oh, I see you came there in your shorts. Yeah, going, buddy.
2: (laughs) Corey Feldman uh, does get some. uh, You know, they they wrote him some decent lines, and by decent, I mean like when I was twelve years old, I kind of like already saw through a lot of this oh I, I
0: i i i bet he's regretting the michael jackson line that he had in this like oh that
2: michael jackson line is like deep. i was i was i was kind of so so, I was watching this, and uh, I was I was having some some beer because you need a little bit of alcohol to get through yes. this movie. And I was kind of drifting off slightly in terms of like kind of following the plot. Mm. And then that like Michael Jackson line showed up, and I went, "Oh, like I was right back in this movie." Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's deeply uncomfortable. That's deeply yeah. deeply uncomfortable.
0: It's especially especially since uh, in years later, Corey Feldman has come out basically talking about. All the people in the movie industry who has raped him and other people, apparently, yeah, wow, dark. Pretty fucking dark at this point, right? But this film isn't good, but I don't hate it. Like, I can watch it. It's got some nice skin it's got a nice casual tone to it it's got jack nance being jack nance and i'm always it's, behind that it's
2: just really dumb like for, for dumb. me like that's the and like like it's it's it really does just encapsulate that 25 year old man acting like 12 year old boys
0: yeah know, yeah sort of and it's and and, again it's, it's not a meatballs movie
2: so so yeah, in this one like it explicitly was another like it had another title. It was gonna yeah. be this whole thing, and they just called it Meatballs. Like, I bet the only thing they did was just put the Meatballs title on it. I would be surprised if the script these guys got did not have the word Meatballs on it.
0: You know? Yeah, like, no. Uh, the The movie was supposed to be called like Happy Campers or something like that. So right. it almost it almost sounds like something National Lampoon would have picked yeah. up, other than it being in a summer camp. I think the biggest motif here that really kind of connects it to the other Meatballs films is the bus ride at the beginning. Like the, yeah, the cra- crazy bus ride. That seems to be, although it wasn't so much in the third film, but um, that seems to be. There was a bus like,
2: ride in the th- in the third film, though. You know, there is, yeah. Bus to, to, the, uh, to the, you know, drunken revelers sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question here. Mm-hmm. Would you attend a two week summer camp as an adult that teaches you how to water ski?
0: I would if Christy Thorn was going to be at that fucking summer camp
2: <laughs> fair enough fair enough
0: I mean if she, if she if she if she ends up falling for victor Thigpin, I have a good chance of getting Christy Thorn. like let's just put it that way like I got no, no, a great no.
2: chance. i I get that I get that <laughs> um. Although I think she disliked him because he's a teddy bear, you know, it's just, he's, hey, he's I can so... be,
0: a, I can be a teddy bear for it too. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> like I can be warm and cuddly as fuck. I'm telling you. Um,
2: There's a fundamental disconnect for me. And this kind of goes back to this idea of like, who is this film for? Right. Mm-hmm. Where like you look at the first film and you're watching it and it's kind of like the main characters, the adult characters are counselors for kids. And so there are kids in the film. By the time we get here, you've literally got people busing in the summer camp on a yellow school bus. Are clearly in their 20s, or you know, even if they're supposed to be like 18, 19, you know, that sort of age, mm-hmm. range they're coming and they're taking a two week ski camp. Sort yeah, of it's,
0: it's never really explained, is it? Because where it, it has the same you get, sort of are as... showing up
2: and being like, I'm gonna get laid on this trip, and it's like, I what think, the f-? like, I, what is what is this? Like, yeah. I, this makes no the economic reality of this is just fundamentally broken. You know. Yeah, what? I
0: mean, you, you have to make up your own story at this point. You, you got to think these are all rich kids or something being bust here because rich parents trying to get rid of their problem children, apparently, you know, get them out of the house for the summer because, yeah, there's no real kids in this. And you get the sense that maybe this place was hosting kids at some point because Jack Nancy's character says, oh, we used to have like 80 fucking people here. So you, you knew it was probably going to be like a lot of kids. But now it's just everyone's like counselor age. And it's just like, obviously, like, these are a bunch of rich, rich douchebags who someone's unloading them on this fucking camp for two weeks to get rid of them. Right. Like,
2: but then you got to think, like, how much, are they, how much are they making in this camp? So you got to think like you got like a staff of, say, 10 people. Yeah. Those 10 people each make. Let's let's say they make like $10,000, you know. So you got like a hundred thousand dollars is being paid in. You only got like twenty people in the camp, so each of these people is paying like five thousand dollars for two weeks of like ski instruction and access to vaguely defined pussy from Corey Feldman. Mm. Like, hey,
0: you, you know, if I had the money, Christy Thalm, <laughs> and then you got, then you got like Christy Ducati and Nariah Davis and Lauren Hayes as well. You, you know, and the main girl, uh. I think it's Paige French is the main one or no, no. Yeah. Maybe Paige French, the redhead, the uh, uh-huh. the one who's not enhanced in any way and doesn't need to be. Is she the one that ends up with Corey Feldman at the end of the film? Yeah. Yeah. The redhead. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I, honestly, if I had the money, this would be the summer camp I'd want to go to. <laughs> sure, sure,
2: sure.
0: I, I could stand Corey Feldman. Why not?
2: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Sarah Douglas. Really good in this.
0: Very hot as well. Very, very hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always yeah, the so. hot Sarah Douglas. God damn. I just yeah. kept
2: wanting her to say Superman <laughs> and Superman. then throw a manhole cover.
0: <laughs> and yeah, she could. Uh, I'm, I'm not that into sadomasochism or anything like that, but if she was wearing her uh, Ursa costume, she could uh, do any number of nasty things to me that she wanted. No problem.
2: I get that. I get that. She threatens Corey Feldman, if you lose this water ski competition, which, by the way, is the winner of this water ski competition, like, the two greatest water ski, like, teaching programs in the world. Yeah. People who can afford to send, who can afford to go to water ski training camp for two weeks are on the other side of this particular little shitty lake in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. So, like, okay, fair enough. And Ricky Wade is so good at teaching water ski that whichever camp has him will immediately gain in like notoriety and all that sort of thing is water ski jumping like a spectator sport is this is there actually like money behind this is there is there any kind of economic reality here oh no
0: no no this is this is more boring than the fucking skiing and hot dog the movie like hot dog the movie actually had like
2: oh confidence. this is way more boring than yeah the, i mean the, the, the skiing and hot dog the movie is really cool good yeah This is this is nothing like when they're when they're when they get like the the gangsters who are like using the magic remote control to like make jet skis stop working, which Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, (laughs) I'm kind of like, I can't really even tell much of a difference. This is this is so visually uninteresting. There's like 20 minutes of this movie. that's just like water ski footage and none of it has any interest whatsoever.
0: No, no. Um, I mean, the only interest during those scenes with the, the jet skiing is whenever they cut to the uh, scorekeepers who, you know, the the main bikini babe in the middle yeah. there, who's like...
2: Yeah. It's uh, the two dorky dudes, and then, like, yeah. the bikini girl who always, like, moves her little sign around to show her tits. Yeah. Know? So you get to see yeah. her cleavage every time you, they cut to her, you know? <laughs> Uh, but this, this almost,
0: this almost kind of plays like a parody of these summer camp films to a certain degree. I mean, but you know, it's not nearly as fucking clever at all. Like, it it it, it, it's, it seems like it kind of tries at the beginning, and then it kind of tries at the end with the fourth wall breaking. But other than that, it's just like. Eh. <laughs> it's
2: just not by the numbers. I mean, it's such it's yeah. such. Like, of course, like he has the line, like, "No, no, no you're not seeing this at the You're seeing it on, on a on a videotape. You're gonna hit rewind. Save the fifty cents." It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Because this screams direct-to-video to me. Like, like this, is, this is so obviously not a thing that anyone should ever have seen in a theater, you
0: know? No, I mean, and, and they really dated <laughs> themselves, too, doing that shit. It's like, you know, now any young person who's into titty flicks and wants, oh, I want to see all these classic titty comedies from back in the day, like back in the old days in the 90s. They're going to look at this and I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about?
2: I mean, it kind of makes sense that, like, in 1992, they weren't, like, necessarily looking forward to the DVD age. I mean, you know, yeah. I, you can't necessarily blame them for that. Here's here's the mark of this movie, and this is kind of where I, like, was trying to call attention to the fact that I was very young when I saw so many of these, you know? Mm-hmm. This movie came out when I was 12. So, and I know we, like, rented it from, it was either on HBO or whatever. So I saw it when I was, like, 13, and I was already over it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was already done with, like, this movie. By the time I was 13, I had moved on to other things. And this was before, like, the rise of internet porn. Like, I didn't have internet at that mm-hmm. point. I just had better tits in my life than, you know, I could get from Meatballs 4. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's it's not super raunchy or anything like that. There's not, a like, lot, a, lot, a lot of interesting and sexy stuff going on. But, I mean, really? Worse than Summer Job? Again,
2: I'm, I'm, if you ask me, if you ask me which one I'd rather watch again, I would rather watch Summer Job again. Oh I mean. my god, you 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 are so
0: off base on this one. It's just I <laughs> no, I, would... I will
2: admit, I will admit as you did, you know, on that same episode, my childhood memories of Summer Job at least kind of like you know kind of keep me kind of keep me going and keep me through yeah. that. Plus, you got sean uh, Chantal, the, the cute redhead in that one, you know. Yeah, but you got was... a really cute redhead in this one too. You do, and you got Christy Tom, so there's that. Chris, but yeah, you don't ha- you don't have to look at Corey Feldman in summer jobs. So
0: Hey, I barely noticed Corey Feldman in this film and, and I am Fair and, then, and as far as his early stuff goes, I'm a big Corey Feldman fan, by the way. I'll just throw that out I, there.
2: I, I would I would put a license to drive on our list. I think we should definitely do that at some
0: point. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And I mean, you know, and I even kind of have sympathy for Corey Feldman because he's he he's one of those guys who got Chewed up and spit out by the system, and like royally fucked mm-hmm. up. You know, he, he he can't help himself at this point. I don't. I,
2: he's he's perfect. Like a dream, a Little Dream is not a terrible film. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, like like there's a. I mean, he he was just kind of that teen heartthrob who never kind of got over being a teen heartthrob. I mean, it's funny that like in 1902 he was on his way down. Like this mm-hmm. was, you know, him slumming it in this, in this kind of like, cause he had had some movies flop and suddenly he's doing like meatball sequels. Like I even, yeah. I mean, even again at like 12 or 13, when I saw this, I'm already thinking like, wouldn't <laughs> Corey Feldman's in this? Like, you know, <laughs> and yeah. not like in an excited way, you know?
0: He he was in a shit ton of this stuff at this point. I mean, him and both him and Corey Haim were both on the same yeah. sort of slump down at this point. Yeah. They
2: were both in the National Lampoon's uh, private resort yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of their. I think that was like their last thing they did together. Close to it,
0: Uh, they came back together for one of the Lost Boys sequels that came out in the 2000s, and that was the last. And although I don't think they filmed together at any point, they were just both in the same movie. So, right, right, yeah,
2: yeah. fair enough.
0: But uh, yeah, there's only one piece of trivia really on this, and it's a really sad one, by the way. But hey, let's let's go out on a downer with this film. Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, during filming, uh, Jack Nance apparently received a call from his wife at the time, and she was going to commit suicide. And uh, Nance tried to, you know, prevent her from doing so. But she, uh, you know, he tried to console her over the phone and stuff, and, and send police there to uh, stop her. But uh, by the time they got there, she was already dead. So it's kind of a sad oh, little, little thing on there, which which sucks because both it's horrible, and I love Jack Nance and. It's kind of sad to see him like trying his damnedest in this fucking film and to know like the tragedy that was going on in this life at the same mm-hmm. time yeah
2: no he he's quite good in this he's he's really got like a uh, a nice presence and uh you actually sort of believe that like this is a guy who like is like a champion water skier and he kind of hung up his skis and wait, like, are you
0: are you, are you wait, saying this was stunt, that was stunt work that wasn't him out there on the
2: all I'm saying is they shot it from from far enough away that I can't be sure hey so, man I mean, yeah
0: I mean, come I on. believe
2: he's a talented enough I believe he's a talented enough like actor to like spend the like you know year learning to water ski before making this film, you know, so that like you know you gotta you gotta get that
0: like oh you know, I, I I will have no disparagement of Jack Dance he was an eraser head motherfucker he was in Twin Peaks. That motherfucker knows how to water ski like a champion. He can do the triple hinge or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well you do it three times instead of like two and a half, you know. And
0: it is it, obvious the way they cut it that that guy did not do it three times. It's Whoa, like it,
2: no, it's not it's not even cut particularly well. Like you see this like a portion of the same swing three yeah. times, you know. Yeah. He he still, it, so. Because he's still
0: because the height he'd have to be to do that. Yeah, They do not show that there. He's like almost right. on the water for the different yeah. cuts. And I'm then
2: like, they oh. still like pretend like he did it two more times. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> terrible.
0: Yeah. Unless they had, unless they had the alien from meatballs two flipping him, they might've been in the woods somewhere. Who knows?
2: You know, it's interesting that like the, the, the series went like sci-fi fantasy for two parts and then kind of comes back in part four. And it's like, no, we're going to reach the gritty realism of like not having aliens and ghosts in our movie, you know. And we're, we're, we're going to go back we're, to our roots, and it's just going to be kids at a summer camp. But really, it's like twenty-something people. You know, yeah,
0: and we're, gonna, and we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to wear neon colors so bright that everyone's got to wear those fucking Eskimo sunglasses, you know, just right. so they can
2: fucking see. Jesus, man. We're going to pretend like this is a this is a ski movie, where we're all wearing like yeah. brightly colored clothes. Yeah. Um <laughs>
0: But, yeah, you know, I, I like this one. I'm not going to say it's great or anything. It's it's inoffensive. I mean, honestly, if we're stacking up and uh, I think we should sort of move on to that where we're going to mm-hmm. s- sort of rate what we've liked the best in the series. There is a massive chasm between Summer Job and this, but this would be like the the second to last for me as far sure. as the stuff we've done in in this series. So, um, yeah. actually, I'll just, I'll just throw it over to you first uh, if you want to, like, mention what, what you think is kind of the best stuff we saw this uh, time out.
2: Well, if we set aside Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which I think is, you know, the 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 most mo- film like of the films, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah, it's yeah. a real film and has historical importance, you know, like they clearly, that's the best, you know. Um, the real find for me was Perfect Timing. Mm-hmm. Like, I legitimately really like that film. Maybe I've taunted up a little bit more, that you know, because like there is all that kind of softcore stuff that's kind of dull at the end. But really, for me, it's uh, it's it's Papusha and, and and her performance as Bonnie, which just elevates that above. I keep coming back to that, like how great she is in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I love Eurotrip. I told my wife, you know, because she was out of town last week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we did Eurotrip. She's like, of course you did, because you love that movie. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> um Hard Bodies was was nice. I mean, that kind of mm-hmm. that was one that you showed me. One well, not only I liked talking about more than I liked watching. I might go yeah. back and revisit that just to kind of uh, to, to kind of watch it again at some point. The Scary Cave I will always remember. You know. <laughs> it's little little bits of these movies that yeah that I will kind of kind of come back to. Yeah, probably Perfect Timing is definitely the one that really stands head and shoulders above the rest for me. I think that's a really really interesting movie. Other than that, obviously the the one with the highest production values is Eurotrip, and then the one that's like a real like movie that has an idea behind it is Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, and those are the ones that really you know can yeah. speak to me. So so those are those are kind of my high points and, and low point. I mean, I don't actually think Meatballs Four is worse than Summer Job, but I want to rewatch it less than Summer Job. You know? Oh my
0: god, I I can't even stand that. That's just. That's incomprehensible. I mean, me I mean, really, the,
2: the, the, worst of the, the worst of the things we saw was the first 45 minutes of uh, Bikini Drive-In for me.
0: <laughs> uh, well, and, he, and even then, you're even hurting me more now. I, I,
2: and I, and I understand that. I understand <laughs> that. Like, that, that. For me, it was just boring as shit. Like, the last 45 minutes made up for it. I don't have any problem with that. But, um, you know, Summer Job is terrible, and I feel... Sorry for inflicting it on you, except that we've now had a lot of fun talking about no, it. No, I mean, it was, it, was, so, it, was, you
0: know, it was enjoyable to talk about it, at least. And yeah. I think for me, my number two would be uh, Bob Carrollton and Alice, I think, is, is mm-hmm. where I'd sort of sit that at. And probably the best thing I saw through this series, honestly, I'd probably go to perfect timing as well. I think, I'm kind of thinking that's where I'm kind of sitting on that one, just because it really does have kind of everything I want in a sex comedy. It, it, not only is it like, you know, just lots of nudity and lots of sexy stuff going on, it had really interesting performances and stuff going on as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of where I sit on that. I think maybe I, I put Bob Carroll Tidnell's down a little bit just because it almost feels like it's kind of outside all the other ones we watched. So yeah. it, it kind of feels a little unfair kind of rating it at the same time. But know oh, I-,
2: I totally agree. Like Bob and Carol and Alice is a very different thing than the rest of the stuff we discussed. Which is kind of where I'm like, you just kind of set it aside and just kind of yeah. go, okay, this is clearly if not the best, it's doing something different.
0: It's sitting on top with the rest of the cream, kind of floating, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but uh, yeah, I mean, after that, um, I'm thinking uh, my top picks are kind of like Eurotrip and the Cheerleaders. Uh, I, I love the Cheerleaders. I love that. Uh, that's a move I rewatch. Not a lot, but it's one I do re-watch every once in sure, a while because sure, sure. it's fun. I mean, you know, at the same time, yeah, once in a while, watch it for different reasons. But, um, but that's one I legit can just put on and watch it in the background and just be like, yeah. I, I enjoy it because it's just stupid and it's fun. And
2: yeah, uh, well, the cheerleaders definitely has some like some of the most interesting like cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, kind of when we talked about like, there's just this fascinating accidental. You know, art film thing kind of going on mm-hmm. with that, which is which is fascinating. It just kind of doesn't mean as much to me as, as some of the other ones. But uh, like, I was definitely a fan of that when I watched it. So I agree. I mean, it's funny. Like, it's funny. You know, like, you and I basically agree on broadly ranking all of these. Like, kind of what goes on the bottom and what goes on the top. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, under that, everything else kind of just coming from this episode. Like, Meatballs Two goes down underneath Meatballs Four for me. And mm-hmm. it's is swirling somewhere with fucking Summer Job just because Meatballs 2 is such a fucking massive disappointment. Yeah. I, want, I want those fucking cut scenes. I want some fucking nerd, some guy who's in a vault somewhere in the, in the studio and finds the fucking reel that, that was cut from that film and puts it on DVD. Then I might re-rate it and like re-rank it. But other than that, it's like, god damn, I didn't get to see Misty Rose Tits at all in this film. I'm really disappointed. God damn it. But,
2: so so of the meatballs films what what's your rating like so so 2 is the bottom 4 is right above that and then I mean I guess 1 and then 3.
0: Yeah, it's 1 3 and 4 two, four, two. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'd go. I'd sit on
2: that. I can I can agree. I mean, you know, for me 4 and I think this is kind of where you and I kind of differ a little bit in terms of just talking about films. Boredom is like the immediate turnoff for me. Like the immediate mm. like, you know, if if you're boring if you've made a film and I just don't give a shit, like that's that you're gonna go to the bottom of my list. Yeah. Where summer job is just like terrible, but like terrible in kind of an interesting way. Whereas Meatballs Four is terrible in the like I just wanna go to sleep and drink a lot way. <laughs>
0: you know? yeah. I can I can I can see that distinction, yeah. Um I'll just say like meatballs four didn't bore me, I like looking at the girls more in that one than I like looking in Summer Job. Let's just put it that
2: way. Oh, no, no, group... no, I, get, I get that too. You know, there, yeah. there's some there's some nice skin and meatballs for. I, I will. Yeah. it's definitely the most nudity of any of the four. I mean, the, yeah, question.
0: Yeah. You got like two shower scenes. You, you got yeah. one that's you know they're not long or anything, but you got the first initial shower scene, and even leading up to that, you got the girls uh, giggling and wearing towels and running to the showers and lifting their towels yeah. up and exposing their asses. And then you have the shower scene where the uh, two uh, gangster guys pour the blue stuff into the shower and uh, make them all blue
2: and shit. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but um, yeah, perfect timing is definitely the like for me. That's the big find. That and is, I, and the I feel find, bad, yeah. and I feel bad like not saying more about one night only. But then once you find Perfect Timing, it's kind of like, yeah, no, that's clearly the the, the really interesting one. You
0: know? Yeah, well, One Night Only is like the supplement that you go to after you watch Perfect Timing. As, as I, I think that's kind of th- it. And uh, yeah, I think maybe the only other question is, do you think this sex comedy series was better than the first one we did? Like, do you think you found more out of this one than the first one?
2: or uh... I think the lows were lower last time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Busty Cops. Um, I actually re-listened to our Busty Cops uh, yeah. episode just to just to kind of like kind of go back to it. Man, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, what, you, not our episode what, necessarily. What you, okay, you're not saying like, the episode. You're saying Busty Cops the uh,
2: film. Okay, Busty Cops is fucking awful. <laughs> like, you know, would I watch Busty Cops again before I watch Bikini Drive In? That's the. Uh,
0: I would not. Uh, I that's where I'd sit on it. Just just because, sure. again, it comes down to I really love the actors and, yeah, the yeah, and yeah. so I'll watch them over and over again. But you
2: know, really, what re-listening to our Busty Cops episode made me want to watch some Angela Little films because we both had like nice things to say about her performance. Well,
0: uh, and, next sex comedy series, if we do the American Pie film, she's in Band Camp.
2: Nice. So we'll yeah. we'll have to we'll have to make sure to put that on the list. Yeah. Yeah. the the films overall i think were were more like films this time Mm -hmm. you know whereas last time it was kind of a lot of like you know i mean the beach girls it's fun like it was but there's no like story there whereas i think here we kind of focused a little bit more on stuff that really had ideas and there was kind of like characters and you know some some more interesting stuff there was very i mean summer job was terrible but i grew up with that so i knew it was terrible (laughs) and you know like Like so, so uh, I don't know. Like it was just a very different experience. Also, like last time we went on for like eight weeks, whereas here we're like we're done. Like yeah, a little
0: bit more concise this time out. Yeah,
2: a little bit, a little bit easier to kind of because last time we definitely went on a little bit long, and I was kind of like, are we still watching these? Like. Like not that I'm complaining about it, but at the same time it is kind of like, oh my God, we gotta move on from this. <laughs> so yeah, so, despite the fact that we could do this every week, if that we could have a podcast and talk about these kinds of films every week, if that.
0: well, was yeah, that's the that's on. the thing. Like our initial sex comedy series was kind of a catalyst that started really gaining us an audience. That was kind of, hey, you know, there's a couple people. Uh, who are like, wow, this is really good, and they pointed it out to other people, and we actually started getting listeners and stuff. So, I mean, there's definitely an audience out there for this stuff. I mean, if if we weren't exclusively a sex comedy fucking podcast, we'd probably do pretty good for ourselves as far as... We do way
2: better than our, like, mix-and-match stuff that we do, as yeah. we are, you know. So, but so, really, what we're saying is, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know people want to listen to this, but uh, we're not going to do it.
0: Well, no, because uh, we do what the fuck we want and what we're interested in doing, and that's what we're going to be transitioning over into uh, after this. But uh, I think next episode, if we can work it out, might be uh, Tommy and what was the other one we were thinking of doing? Parents. Parents, parents, yeah, with uh, our friend Kit Power. So hopefully we can work that out. Who, Um,
2: by the way, has a brilliant new Robocop podcast where um, he is watching RoboCop with people and doing like commentary tracks once a month. And the first episode with our friend James Murphy, uh, is now up. So definitely go check that out. Um, I have listened to that episode and it is brilliant. And, um, you might in the future hear a certain voice that, uh, you know, you're hearing right now on that podcast, but which I mean, I've already recorded, but I don't know when it's going to go up. So.
0: Oh, cool. All right. Uh, and we'll, uh, We'll get a link in the show notes to uh, Kit Powers uh, Robocop podcast too. That'll Talking be awesome to Robocop
2: thing. with Kit Power, um, which I'm sure if he shows up next week and we, this actually happens, he will talk a lot about his Robocop podcast. Yeah. So.
0: and we'll we'll let him pontificate about that as much as he desires. And then after that, it's going to be what Johnny Mnemonic and Total Recall, Starship Troopers. Oh, Starship Troopers. Okay, okay, yeah. that works yeah. for me. So we're taking a two-episode break between series, and then once we come back from those two, we're going to be getting right into our Spaghetti Westerns, and that's going to be a big series.
2: We've been planning this since episode one. Since, since yeah. not even episode one, since like a year before episode one, because we were talking about podcasting for a long time, and we always wanted to do Spaghetti Westerns, and finally it's happening, and I'm yeah. pumped, because most of the films that we're going to be watching, I haven't seen. Oh, so, that's, um, that's awesome. you know, because I've seen a bunch of spaghetti westerns or, you know, I've seen some, like, I understand the genre, but I haven't, you know, actually, said I didn't watch the, some of the more obscure stuff. And uh, so I've kind of let Lee to just give me some shit. and We're going to watch it all.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's what we're going to kind of be aiming for in this initial uh, run of the spaghetti western series, too. We're going to be sort of diverting from the typical Leone shit for the most part. Uh, although we do have Once Upon a Time in the West, we're going to be doing the that. The Leone shit, like
2: that, yeah, that shit. That, that, shit garbage. Leone director. <laughs> that garbage. Yeah. Clint Eastwood, uh, what a clod.
0: <laughs> that fucking nobody went nowhere. Uh, but yeah, but I think we'll have some pretty interesting selections for you guys to listen to as far as spaghetti westerns go. and uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Very fucking excited to do that. And, uh, yeah, so Daniel, tell people where they can find you on the old internet.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Daniel E. Harper if you want to listen to me rant on Twitter, which I do sporadically. If you want to listen to all the podcasts that I am uh, on, including this one, you can go to com I've got some kind of stuff coming up that might be a little bit scything if you're kind of a sci fi fantasy fan. But um, mostly that's, uh, you know started out doing kind of all Dr. Who and then kind of moved on and we're doing some red dwarf and we get some other stuff kind of coming up, but um, yeah, check me out either at Daniel Lee Harper on Twitter or uh, always dot That's kind of where all that goes. And I also write a uh, weekly or other every the week column with my wife over at com. That's usually covering something about sex and gender and kink and that sort of thing, because that's all I really know how to talk about. So <laughs> yeah. And
0: you can find us, of course, on TMBDOS.podbean.com. That's where you can find all of our links. You can uh, get to our Facebook or YouTube and our iTunes from there. Hold on, I, hold on. You, we have a Facebook page. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, they must be destroyed on site on Facebook, which is the single best way to get in contact with us. If you have comments, questions, suggestions, criticisms, anything you want to throw at us, uh, we are open to that. We try to respond to everything. Uh, we definitely want more and more interaction. Just, just keep throwing stuff at us, guys. If you
2: have access to either the missing reel of Meatballs Two, or the missing reel of Magnificent Ambersons, we will be equally. Interested in both.
0: <laughs> yeah, both would be equally valued on this podcast. How we roll? <laughs> also, I, I, I will mention, although I fucking hate iTunes and I really don't check up on this shit. If you so. Would be kind enough. Go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, give us a review. That apparently opens up our audience. Uh, I've tried to do this for other people's podcasts, but apparently there's like a region-blocking thing in iTunes where uh, this lowly Canadian cannot go into an American podcast and say "Well, awesome it is. I've done three reviews now on Badass Boobs and Body Counts, and not one of them has fucking shown up on their fucking iTunes reviews. So... There's some goddamn bullshit going on in iTunes, but...
2: Um, it's the Apple, uh, aglippily, it's, it's clearly, you know, it's corporate America. Um, yeah. You know, enforcing uh, parochial, you know, borders and shit.
0: It sucks because all, all the podcasts I listen to, they're like, support us, go to iTunes, write a review, and I'm like, I- I'm going to do that. And then I go and do that, and then it doesn't show up. And
2: it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. Yeah, Life is terrible. Yeah, Don't support uh, Apple products, really.
0: No. Uh I mean it's it's a it's we we have to live in Apple's world but we don't have to accept every goddamn thing they throw at us. Let's put it that way. But uh yeah, uh until next week. Thank you very much guys for listening. Thank you for joining me Daniel. And uh yeah, we're going to go now. Goodbye. Bye.
1: No, die, guys, son. You gotta work late. Sometimes I wonder what I'm a gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime Oh well, my mom and papa told me, son, you gotta make some money. Now, if you wanna use the car to go a ride next Sunday. Use a car because you didn't work or live Sometimes I wonder what I'm going to do But there ain't no cure for the summertime blues I'm going to take two weeks gonna I ever find vacation I'm going to take my problem to the United Nations Well, I called my congressman and he said, quote, I'd like to help you, son, but you're too young to vote. Sometimes I wonder what I'm going to do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime blue.
0: Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site." For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff, and links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to us at iTunes and YouTube, as well as our Facebook group link, which is the best way to get in touch with us. We welcome all comments, questions, movie review suggestions, and criticisms, and we do our best to respond to everyone. You can also find us at Daniel's recently launched Oyspaceman.com, where you can find his sci-fi-themed podcasts about Doctor Who and Red Dwarf. Thank you. Drive through.